I'm Michael Kist of Bleeding Green Nation, and I invite you, gentle listener, to join us for the best analysis of the Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles in the business. BGN Radio provides you with the most informative preview shows, and the Kist and Solak show dives deep into all the schemes and X and O details you could ever want. Plus discussions with the industry's brightest minds, including former NFL players and press conferences from the Eagles coaching staff to keep you up to date and informed every step of the way. Subscribe to Bleeding Green Nation today. Fly, Eagles, fly. everybody how you doing well that's good welcome to broad street hockey radio that's right bsh radio we are coming to you live on facebook live from the wildfire radio studios that's right we are back in the uh, in the green room here uh kind of back where we belong honestly uh that's a and that's our intro again uh, i'm <laughs> sorry uh, it's back, i'm baby. sorry to the people out there who <laughs> have the mental capacity to hate that song it's just eats me up inside uh but hey everyone a lot of people seem to like it so good for you who am i to say it's bad uh exactly who are you my name is bill matz <laughs> i am your director of fun and games for the evening we have a great broad street hockey radio show we are back in the studio all together thank you for uh living with us through the remote shows that were i thought they started to get a little better at the end but yeah, it was just hard to get everyone did. together and produce it ourselves that shit's a ton of work so let me introduce you to the panel for the evening first and foremost the fly by herself kelly hinkle so i had a thought about hockey but right now i'm just going to plug alexander barkov's website and i want all of you to go to it at the end of the show it's alexanderbarkov16.com it's a treasure trove of goodness and you'll thank me later <laughs> It's pretty fantastic. It's, ama- it's amazing. Like, I can't. If you don't hear me talking during this show, it's because I'm busy reading everything on Alexander Barkov's website. I mean, Barkov is one of the three centers on my fantasy team, so I'm already positively predisposed towards Alex Barkov or Sasha Barkov. So, All yeah. Right. It's good. <laughs> Where are you from? Oh, right. The Athletic. <laughs> <laughs> Who? The Athletic Philadelphia's number one hockey man, Charlie O'Connor. Hey, everyone. Uh, so want to make a point here. I think Steph is going to go the negative route. So I'll go the positive route. To I'm ca- shocked. To counterbalance Steph. I-, I think the Flyers deserve some credit for playing it really safe with Nolan Patrick. Um, in- in- when I've interviewed him over the past week or so, when he's been given availability, it's very clear that he's frustrated that he's not been approved to go back on the ice and play with the team. And that's good. Like, I, I want players coming off concussions to be frustrated because their team is playing it really safe with them because it's far better than the alternative and them trying to push that player back from a concussion really quickly and him being happy in the moment but then seriously injured in the future because they did that and we're going to talk a lot about tonight about the fact that no one in the middle six can score it would be have it would have been very easy for them to basically say, oh, well, he says he's fine, and we need goal scoring in the middle six. So, yeah, Nolan, go right ahead, get back in the game. And they've still taken it very, very cautious with him. And I, I give them a lot of credit because the Flyers in the past have not done that. They've done the opposite of that. I would like to maybe ask you this question a little later because we like to get through the quick hits and then start the show. But I'm going to totally forget to ask you this question, so I'm just going to do it now. If Patrick had been lighting the world on fire, do you think they would have maybe rushed him? The fact that he wasn't killing it when he got hurt, they're like, all right, take your time, kid. Like, yes, we need secondary scoring, absolutely, but it's not like he's the fix to all their problems. He had two goals. At what, like, how, like, 
he wasn't killing it. I'd like to think no, but I I can't say for sure. I'm not sure. Like, I'd like to think that they would have still put the the long term future of his career and the long term future of the franchise above a quick win. But I don't know. Maybe not. I actually really appreciate that they're taking it slow with him. Mm-hmm. Like, he's he's going to be the future of this team. So let him take his time. Like, don't mess with brains. Last but not least, my broadcast partner in crime, Stephalicious D's Steph Driver. So we're we're about a quarter of the season in. Um, when do we get to say that this team once again is just not that good? Not Define yet. that good. They're just not that good. They're they're uh, another another year of of a mediocre team. I know that they've had they've had a lot of injuries and it's been a lot of injuries to key players. And they're they're playing banged up, and the schedule's been weird, and I get that, but it's just they're just not that good. Uh, like define that good though. Did you like? Does that mean you thought they were a top three team in the division, and now you're like, oh, I'm disappointed? Because uh, well, a 500 uh, team is what I expected, especially in the first half of the season. Well, no, I actually have been saying since before the season started that I didn't expect them to make the playoffs, and they weren't a good team. But they came out and they they started the season really strong and everyone got super excited about them again. But now I'm being told that the sample size is too small to say that they're not that good. I, I think they're a mediocre team. They're they're exactly what I thought they were going to be going into the year and that they're a bubble team. Yeah. And if you know, there's. Other than the fact that the way they've gotten to that point has been a little bit different than I expected. I certainly didn't expect Drew Voracek and Couturier to be blowing everyone's doors off. Like, the method to which they've got to that point has been surprising. But where they're at doesn't surprise me at all. I'm not disappointed. I'm not excited. It's, but it's just it's what I expected. They're a young, they have young players in key spots that are still working through their games. And they have depth that is okay but isn't quite living up to its talent so far but when they start living up to their talent the guys at the top of the lineup will probably progress a little bit because that's that's flyers hockey that's what's weird about it is when they win they kill teams like they blow them out and then when they lose they get shut out and that's what i wanted to kick the show off with uh right now charlie talking about the depth Steph talking about how maybe they're not that good. This team has been shut out four times already. I think they've played 17 games. They've been shut out four times. That seems like a bad ratio. Uh, Goaltending aside, this team's biggest issue right now is secondary scoring. Uh, Weiss and Laterra are both giving you nothing. Uh, <laughs> they have no interest in using Matt Reed for whatever reason. I guess he's worse than those but two no, somehow. No, what they're giving you is size. Kelly, can you turn me up like a little bit? I don't know what number I am. Sure. Thank you. Um, oh, that's Good. better. Okay. Um, they're giving you size, which is a big deal to this team. And yeah, I know that I've size. made a big deal out of it in the past. But I want size and skill, and they don't have the latter. Those guys are both giving you nothing. Uh, they have no interest in using Matt Reed. So send one of these guys down. Send one of them. Matt Reed started the year in the AHL. Mm -hmm. Send one of these guys down, just one. Bring up Donique Martel, who has 14 goals in 15 games. He actually didn't score a goal the other night, and it was a headline. Loser. 14 and 15. So he's not on pace for like 70 goals anymore. He's on pace for 69. Pretty nice. Or bring up Mike Vecchioni, who probably should be on this team and didn't make it because they're like, ah, Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra are both here, so this guy's waiver exempt. Let's send him down. He has 13 points. Bring up Lindblom or Chris Connor or Phil Verone, who all have pretty decent numbers down there. Okay, maybe not the who? last two guys, but but Lindblom, sure. Why not? <laughs> <laughs> who Just is Phil Verone? Lindblom or Guy or Guy? <laughs> <laughs> if secondary, the- they all have decent numbers in the AHL. If secondary scoring is your issue, and you look down at the feeder league and say, we may have the talent to fix this, then fix it. They can't possibly be worse than the other two. This team has scored 50 goals. 23 have come from Couturier, Giroux, and Voracek. Those three have 19, 20, and 21 points. Only Gossespierre with 15 and Simmons with 11 have double digits outside of the top line. One of those guys is a defenseman who missed games. The other one is a slumping power play forward. One of these kids in the AHL has to be better than Weiss, Laterra, or Reed. Oh, yeah, no? definitely. No, 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 for sure. Okay. Definitely. It's not a very you high are, bar to clear. Yeah. No, exactly. Absolutely correct. So remember how we talked about um, 
how maybe Dave Haxtell might be turning a corner into being not a trash coach. This <laughs> yeah. is one of those spots where it's like, yeah, nope, not all the way because he's still got his little pets that he will not let go of in Dale Weiss and Laterra and to a lesser degree, Phil Pula, but there are better players in this organization who could absolutely be playing hockey right now. Yeah, but not. is is this Hextall? Like, it, <clears throat> to me... I think it's both of them. I think I think this is more Hextall. This has to be, because, uh, you know, you can criticize Hextall if you want, but, like, he's got to play two of Laterra, Reed, and Weiss every night, considering the injuries. Yeah, he's got to well, put 12 forwards on the yeah. ice. <laughs> but like, didn't we have this discussion last year when it came to Vandevelde and Belmar? Like, yeah, Hextall could call up someone better. But if the coach wants to play these guys, what? Why would he do that? Yeah, but I don't get the impression that he that they really want to play Weiss and Laterra because look they, at the ice time. They've both been scratched, like on multiple occasions this season. It's just that now there's no one else left to play, so they have to play. Like Vanderbilt was a different story because he played in 81 games. Like they were not scratching him for better players because Haxtell loved Vanderbilt. That was stupid. But I don't get the the sense that he's particularly wedded to Dale Weiss and Yuri Laterra. I feel like this is Hextall not wanting to bring up the kids because he either doesn't think they're ready or he isn't quite convinced that they're legitimate. Hmm. I mean, Martel went a game without a goal, so maybe he stinks. Yeah, he's actually uh-huh. bad. <laughs> so they've, like I said, they've been shut out four times in the first seventeen games, which is especially surprising because they have like multiple games with eight and six. Like this is a team that can score. But it's all about that first line, basically. Um, but despite having been shut out the four times, I'm not all that worried. Why am I not worried? Well, I can tell you why I'm not. Okay. Well, okay. So, like Charlie and Steph said at the start of the show, this is a bubble team. That's fine. We're in the middle of, you know, building something here. So, it's fine that they're a bubble team. But to start the season when they were healthy, they were playing relatively well and they were winning games. And then everyone started getting hurt, and that's when things started to go to shit. So I'm not ready to put this team into the ground until they get healthy and play a stretch of healthy games again. If they're still bad, then okay. Maybe I start to get a little worried. But right now, I just think it's injuries more than anything that are holding them back. I think that's fair. You know, one thing that that we do... You know, you called him the slumping Wayne Simmons. You know, I call him the Wayne Simmons who probably shouldn't be playing hockey right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. So, like, there's there's issues going on here. Like, Wayne Simmons probably should have taken a week off. The last goal he scored, I think, was October 21st, the uh, the winner against Edmonton. Was that the overtime winner? Uh, no, it wasn't an overtime winner, but it was late in the third. It was period. late in the third, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. So that was the last goal he scored, and that was right after he got hurt, wasn't it? Or was it? Be- I don't remember. I don't remember. To- I, but I, I, it's I just, been nine yeah. games since his last goal. He's a guy who, I mean, we always say all goal scorers are streaky, but Wayne Simmons, it especially sticks out. Like, I've written the article multiple times. Okay, seven without a goal, then he has five and four games, then he goes five without a goal, and then he has six and four games. And like it, it always evens out, and then at the end of the year, he has between 28 and 32. So you go, oh, it's fine. You know, it's a good goal, yeah. good goal total. But when he goes nine in a row without a goal, and he is your emotional leader, and you start to see this team sag a little, like, oh, they've been shut out four times. Uh, Wayne Simmons, you're kind of the goal scorer. Go get him, kid. Like, these are these are issues. This middle six, like, we call it the middle six, even though it's not. Like, the fourth line, that's the reason. We call the fourth line the fourth line, even though you basically no, have a first. No, we call the honeybees. Even though you basically <laughs> have a first line and then three other lines that take whatever's left. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, shouldn't he, like, Charlie, you wrote in uh, in your, I think, your observations from the last game, Hackstall really should be able to cobble together at least one effective line out of Simmons, Philpola, Wheel, and Konechny. You would think, right? Like, one would you, you would These think, are talented guys. Yeah, I mean, I guess the, the struggle there, and this is what I put in the outline, is Philpola can't, can't drive play anymore, so he needs someone to get him in the offensive zone so he's good. Simmons is hurt. Konechny's really not playing bad. He just can't buy a goal. No. And then Wheel, like, you know, I've looked at some underlying numbers, and his underlying play, particularly in the neutral zone, has been fine. But now over the past few games, he's been with Weiss and Laterra, and you're not scoring shit if you're with them oh at this God. point. Like, I go back to Simmons, and I, I know we... I, I, I always worry about, like, saying, oh, well, he's just injured. Like, that's just an excuse. Because you're right. Goal scorers are streaky. Sometimes they're just not rolling. But I go to... Ron Hextall, he was, um, I believe this was Saturday. It was before Saturday's game. He, they gave him availability to the media uh, at the Wells Fargo Center. And I will read from the transcript. He was asked, do you think Wayne is playing through some injuries right now? And his one-word answer was yes. 
And, and that was it. That, 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 that's about as like blunt as you're going to get from Ron Hexel talking about anybody being injured. No, and from a team that doesn't say a damn thing right. about injuries. Like, uh, Gostas Bear's playing with a tinted shield. He hit his head. Uh, yeah. Uh, he's fine. He's fine. Uh, happening upper body. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, fine. Like, yeah, no, and Wayne Simmons is that emotional leader of this team. They're not going to let you think like he's not. And you know he's doing the work. That's the, like, it's not like he's he's jerking off out there. Like, it's Wayne Simmons. He's. That's a thing. Okay. <laughs> I don't, I definitely think that he is definitely not jerking off out there. <laughs> From just the eye test. But it looks like they're moving Jordan Wheel to center. I got, I think, did we all get it? Or maybe just someone said it to me on Twitter uh, asking about moving Konechny to center because he's played there at other points Yeah, in I was in career. that conversation. Yeah. Um, now Jordan Wheel looks like he's getting moved to center between <laughs> Weiss and Simmons. Do we like this? What do we think of this move? It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off for him. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, yeah. I, I, I said previously on Twitter that like as much as I like connecting and I like him a lot, I, he scares me defensively yeah, at yeah. wing. So I don't want to put him at center because then he'd absolutely terrify me defensively. We'll he's played center in the AHL. He's played center well in the AHL. He's rarely played center in the NHL. Can he do it? I mean, I I guess we'll find out, right? We'll Unless, see. So uh, can Sean Couturier be a one C? Magic Man Dave Hackstall just rolling the dice, hold throwing the off phone. them great lineups. <laughs> Whoa, slow down, <laughs> hey. with Magic Man. Hey. Let's not get Whoa. I expected this team at full health to be hanging around five hundred until the new year, and then I thought. You know, the kids will start to really get their feet wet and they'll get comfortable. Maybe Brian Elliott will be a slow starter like he was last year, get his shit together, and then they'll make their run. And then I think then they're a playoff team. But they've dealt with all these injuries and they're still hanging at around 500. I like what I'm seeing overall. But, like, yes, night to night, there are certainly holes that we could poke in this team. They are not a very good team by any means. But overall, I like the effort and I can I see areas in which – like, it's not it, – all the problems are fixable. Like, when Travis Sanheim gets – when he is an NHL player, like, he's just not all the way there yet. When he's fully comfortable in the NHL, we'll see a different team. When I say every post game. Uh, Travis Konechny is going to have a three-point night, and then we'll be he'll be off to the races from there. And, like, I keep saying it because I'm watching him. Like, he's the best player on the ice. Outside of the top line, he's their best player every night. That's maybe Provorov and Gostaspare. But, like, I'm watching Connecty. Like, he's everywhere. Why isn't the puck going in? And so I just, like, I see areas that this team will be better, even though they're just 500 right now. Well, like, the the rest of the, the, the forwards have to start scoring at some point. Like, we, we, we talk about the fourth line, the Honeybees, and, like, Raffle has zero they're, points. They're clearly going to score at some point. It, this isn't like last year with the Belmar line where they they often were in the defensive zone, and then when they were on the attack, they spent the entire shift battling for the puck in the corners. Yeah. Like That's all they really did. This fourth line is constantly creating chances. They are creating shots. They are creating chances. They're creating good chances. They just can't buy a goal. And is part of that finishing talent? Yeah, maybe. You know, Maybe part of that is that these guys, this is why they're not top six forwards. They're not as good at scoring goals as the top six forwards. But at some point, you're going to break through. Now, the fourth line with, with Belmar and Vandevelde played five on five like a penalty kill. If we just tie the puck up in the corner, that's, <laughs> as, that's, as, good as, that's as good as it's going to get. Like In Those our own zone or their zone, it's great. Numbers, just folks. killing time, waiting for Giroux to get back out there. I mean, as bad as the the last couple of weeks has been, we just dropped out of a wild card spot. Like this yeah. team is in it still, with as bad as they've been over the last couple of weeks. So I'm I'm super not worried. And they haven't been like that bad. No, they just haven't been of, good. Yeah, they've had a couple of games that they could have won that they didn't. Most notably, the last one against Minnesota. They absolutely should have been in that game a little bit more, but. I don't know. I just I don't watch this team and think that I'm watching a tire fire like last year. It's it's different. It's it's not a tire fire. I I agree. Um, but I also like I don't think that they're a playoff team. The other teams in the metro are so strong that I don't yes. I don't think that they have a chance. Are they though? I yes. Think they do. Eighteen if... points. They're second to last in the metro. Well, I, I actually I have I have second place. Are, are we going to do this now? Because I have it in the outline later. To, okay. To go through. I'm just I mean, we like can do it now. They're only uh, a game and a half behind everybody but the Devils. 
Yeah. Three points. Uh, that's not uh, that's yeah, not but, insurmountable. But nobody's going to slow down and all uh, of these you things. Know that's all the, 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 the devils are. I th- I think there might be some slowing. The ra- uh, I don't think so. You think Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus going to slow down? Probably. I don't Washington think Washington has no depth. Will. If Crosby gets hurt, which he does all the time, that team's trash. Uh, like uh, I don't I think the, I think the I, Metro I, is a very good it's division. Adorable it's a that fine you guys still division. Have your optimism. Like, are I'm, the Rangers I, good? I mean, no, I, the Rangers like, are not. Listen, good. they're absolutely not going to crack into the top three in the Metro. But I think that a second wild card spot is absolutely gettable. Okay. Yeah, I don't. I, I don't think they're on the level of Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus. No. But anyone else in that division, I think they can be better than. Now, will they be? I don't know. But they're in that realm. I mean, it's it's not out of the realm. Yeah, it's not out of the realm of possibility that they could catch any one of those teams. I don't think any of them are that much better than. The I mean, Flyers. I think a few of them are measurably worse, but. Hmm. I just want them to hang around five hundred till the new year. That's what I'm looking at. I'm looking at a team at with it. so many young guys. It'll come together after that. That's just what I think this team is. Uh, back to the lineup for a second. I mean. Travis Konechny looks like we talked about the Weiss, Wheel, Simmons. At least they're breaking up Weiss and Laterra, I guess. But Laterra, <laughs> Philpola, Konechny. Like, I keep saying Konechny's going to break out, but can he? <laughs> like, will it be possible with those line mates? I was going to say, maybe not with those guys. <laughs> yeah. You're in, a, you're in a tough spot, though, with the line combos because, like, what, what, I, what I always go back to in my observations after these games, and it's less obvious now because Patrick isn't in the lineup. But the pro- the biggest problem that the Flyers have long-term with their top nine is that they have eight top nine forwards. So there's always going to be one line that's stuck with a guy who just isn't that good and shouldn't be on one of the top three lines of the team. And when Patrick comes back, it's going to be interesting because the, the, the question I sort of have been turning around in my head for the past week – in anticipation of Patrick coming back is do I, do I like Patrick and connect together? And right now I don't feel comfortable with it, but if that's the case and you can't put them together, that means that one of those two guys is going to be on a shit line and it sucks because that means that, you know, you basically have to choose one of your young fun players to be playing on a line that isn't that good. And I mean, I think I probably lean towards Patrick because I think it's more important to get him going with good line mates and Konechny maybe has a better chance of just creating something by himself mm-hmm. than Patrick, but I don't like it. I Somebody don't li- blocks a shot, yeah. throws him an outlet pass. But like, I don't like the fact that you know if if you give Patrick good line mates, then Konechny is with Philpola. Philpola can't drive play anymore. Konechny, I don't think can drive play at this point. He's more of a transition type guy. Yeah. And then your your what's your third winger? Your third winger is Dale Weiss. I mean, have fun with that. That's. When I say I just want them to hold it together around 500, put Patrick and Konechny together and then see what happens. Just make see if it's a tire fire. Like, see if it's that bad. What what is the alternative? Having other, like, having Weiss and Laterra. Like, I don't. Could you imagine Weiss, Laterra, and. Uh, Philpola. No, I choose to not believe oh anything that could exist. <laughs> could you, could you? So since we're since we're experimenting with Wheel at center, what if you had him center the third line, and then you had Patrick Simmons Konechny and see if that was a thing that could happen? I mean, that'd be cool, except for the fact that I have no confidence that Wheel will stick at center. Yeah, I'm and not they, sure and, about it. And they love Philpola at center, so I don't think he's ever going to leave the center spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Philpola at center is kind of one of the reasons we went with this Giroux yeah. experiment well, that yeah. has seems to have worked out perfectly. That's the other thing is they could cobble together different lines, but right now, except for the Stamkov line, like this is one of the best lines in yeah, hockey. Yeah, that's the thing. You absolutely <laughs> You cannot break up it. this line, no. even though mm-hmm. you have injury problems that maybe necessitate it. Like, you can't get away from it. No. Um what did I want to get? Oh, but Nolan Patrick skated, right? He skated today. It looks like he's going to go on the road trip. He could be ready to go. So all this other lineup stuff could kind of just be, we'll wait and see. He, I don't know. He did confirm today after practice that he's going on the road trip. Now, Good sign. Now, that's obviously a great sign. Now, granted, one of the games is in Winnipeg, which is very close to where he lives. So even if he wasn't playing, they might have let him go on the road trip just okay. so he could like go home just as like a nice thing to do for your player. I do get the impression they expect him to play in Winnipeg. I'm not certain about him playing on Tuesday just because he didn't he didn't skate with a line today. He was his first full practice back with the team, which is great. Great news. 
but he was wearing the the yellow of the honeybees, and then was clear. Then after the first part of practice, he put on a blue jersey, which is the jersey of the scratches. So okay. I get the impression he's not going to play on Tuesday. Thursday is the more likely thing, but you never know. Maybe it, he does play on Tuesday, and then Wheel just got to be at center for you know one practice and got his hopes up, and then you know they're dashed because he's back to win. But I mean, if he's winning on Patrick's line, I don't think he'll complain too much. Yeah, that would be. I'd be. Uh, I just. I want to see Nolan Patrick be so good. Me too. I just want to see him come back and this like get him going. Like yeah. he had hockey taken away from him, and now he's like screw it. And that's he just the, yeah, that's the thing. I don't. I truly do not care about that third line. I just want to get Nolan Patrick going, whatever it takes. I, but do, I, I do not. I want him to be trash. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm, Steph I'm, Driver, secret Devils fan. I'm. I'm. Oh my god, the Devils are <laughs> the worst team in the league. I hate the Devils more than I hate. The team from Pittsburgh. Ottawa Senators. The team for from Pittsburgh. Please. We won't even. I name forgot it. we're yeah. not supposed to say that. Their name is a racial slur, me. just like the football Washington team. Yeah, <laughs> you can't say their name. I just, oh, I but, was just making fun of you for saying that you want him to be good because, like, no, I know we, we all do. <laughs> no, I mean, I want to just see him get going. I want to see him come back healthy. Get out there and just be the Nolan Patrick we all wanted because maybe we had too high of expectations for him and. We're part of that. Like, we were the people who had the draft party where we're chanting Nolan Patrick. <laughs> like, it's, it's going wild. Insane. Like, maybe we set the bar to, like, we're getting the number one pick. Suck it, Jersey. Like, um, I don't no, think we did set the bar we didn't too high. Set the bar too high. I mean, this was. It's just no, like I mean, a, we've been for hearing. For a 13th pick, yeah. we did incline, pretty good. Yeah, the incline yeah. to the top of the bar is just a little bit more. Should have like taken Tolvan. It was a too. pretty exciting yeah, thing. Well. It was pretty exciting. <laughs> it was a really exciting time. What wasn't exciting was seeing Sanheim go down the other night. I um I didn't see the game live. My I DVR'd it, and then I saw the score. I was like, I don't want to watch this trash. <laughs> oh, That's God. the last thing in the world I want to do. They lost one to nothing? No. You made a good choice. It wasn't a fun but game. But then I saw Sanheim got hurt. I was like, I have to see what happened. So I watched the game. I get to that part, and I just see the twist. And the very first thing I thought was Couturier and Stamkos' meniscus injuries. I was like, shit, this is, this is not good. Uh, but it looks like he's all right. You said you talked to him and he's good to go? Yeah, he practiced full contact, wasn't limited at all. And then, you know, even uh, sometimes when a player is injured but not injured enough to not play, like he'll jet off a of practice, get changed real quick and like leave and not mm -hmm. talk to any reporters because he's going for treatment or whatever. It's just a way for them to like not have to face questions. But like Sam I hung around and just like chatted with people for a good five, ten minutes after he got off the ice. Nice, so nice. no, it seems like he's fine. He he really lucked out though, because that did not look good. And he was going very slowly off the ice. Yeah. And like the Couturier meniscus injury wasn't that bad. He came back pretty quickly considering like it was a you know meniscus tear but Stamkos was out months and they basically like the same thing happened to both of them like within a night of each other it was weird when it happened but uh I'm, I'm just happy Sanheim's okay because me too that would have been really really it would bad suck. It and was, yeah. it looks like the main eventer the real highlight Andrew McDonald is coming back everybody here come the wins Woo! baby uh, so he's not it doesn't look like he's going on the road trip I don't have confirmation Woo! but <laughs> but he he so Hextall in that Saturday night uh, they're gonna like, charter like him tell a all session yeah you never know I mean just be going to your five million dollar paycheck Andrew uh, but anyway um, during that that Saturday night Q and A that Hextall gave he implied that McDonald had a good chance of practicing with the team on Monday McDonald did not practice with the team on Monday okay so I think it was always a little bit optimistic on their side that he was going to go on this road mm -hmm. trip. They seem to think he might. The fact that he did not practice on, on Monday implies that he won't. When did and he they also hurt? called up Mark Alt. So was, Mark so, Alt so is Alt, back. Alt will be the seven for this trip, okay. I would assume. And McDonald will stay back in Philly and keep rehabbing or whatever. All right. Uh, what happens when Andrew McDonald gets back? Because that was my that, scare. That's a really good when question. When Travis Sanheim went down, I was like, this is the per this is exactly what's going to happen. They're going to be able to leave Brandon Manning in the lineup because he's, I will say, Brandon Manning has been playing yeah. much better Not than bad. I expect Brandon. That's low bar. He's playing much better than I expect Brandon Manning to play. And 
if he's being basically promoted by the coach, like unprompted, like, you know, who's playing great is Brandon Manning. Travis Sanheim goes down. It's the perfect excuse to keep him out of the lineup a little. Oh, his knee's a little tweaked. So we're just going to go with Manning. And then we're right back to McDonald and Manning, both in the lineup every single night. Yeah. What was his last game? I was, was I was ten. I was legitimately worried about the possibility of them taking Sandheim out of the lineup, and I still am legitimately worried about the possibility of them taking Sandheim out of the lineup. Not because they think Sandheim is playing poorly, but because they have to get McDonald back in the lineup because they love the guy, yeah. and because they think Manning has been playing so well that he needs to stay in the lineup. Oh god! Like, to me, it's a no-brainer. What do you have? Seventeen percent Corsi the other night. You said. Yeah, I mean, Manning's been okay this year. I agree. He hasn't been awful. But in the end, like I like the numbers when they like prove my narrative. Well, yeah. Re- remember when he tricked us last season into thinking that he might be a good hockey? Yeah, it was that, that goal. Start. He had yeah, that he awesome move to score, but it turns out it's just because like Artis Urbe was in that. <laughs> forgot about that name. No, he's been okay, but like in the end, Travis Sanheim provides so much more all-around play than Brandon Manning ever could. His yeah. upside is so much higher. And Sanheim is, in my mind, and maybe I'm the only one who thinks this, but, like, I think he's settling in really nicely as an NHL player. Like, I don't know if I want him playing above third-pair minutes yet, but he's doing really well in those third-pair minutes. He certainly doesn't look out of place at all at this point. No, I'm... I'm liking him settling into his role. McDonald's last game was that Edmonton game, uh, 10-21. So they said four to six weeks, so this is kind of... This is like four weeks. This is We're right at four. So, yeah, they were optimistic to think this is when he'd be practicing again. He's not going on the trip. So we're going to be in that five to six-week range. Yeah, I just see, like... At least they brought back Mark Alt. You know, at least we get the computer-generated Mark Alt back up here. Uh, I just... (laughs) The person who's not really a person? Yeah, when I see... I just see Sanheim go down, and I'm like, this is it. This is their excuse. We're <laughs> we're getting McDonald and Manning, but if he's going to stay out in the lineup, uh, at least or, for another two at games. least for another two games, uh, well, Travis Sanheim will have even more time to uh, to prove himself. And I think he has played really well, especially recently. Yeah. He's another guy. I just feel the offense coming. Like, oh, oh yeah, my yeah. god, it was so close the other day against. Uh, I guess it was against Minnesota. He was so close, like three times. In a shift, and it just didn't go. Oh yeah, no, that was that wasn't Minnesota. That was the uh, that was the game before that. I think. I think it was Chicago. The Chicago game where he had that one shift where he could have had three sense. points he, on the he shift. He broke up a play in the defensive zone, jumped down the ice. Oh, Thursday, set up yeah. a, set up a, a really good chance, and then almost got it on the wraparound. Oh, yeah, yeah, like he's he's due for like a three point night. Yeah, hint, that's mm-hmm. I keep saying. Or even like one point. Does he even have a point? He has, like, he has an two. assist. Two okay. assists, I think. All right. I remember he had one now. really nice setup that was like, ooh, that's the Travis Sanheim I've been waiting for. <laughs> and you're just seeing it like, I just can't wait. Like, I'm already thinking next year we're going to be right back here with the kids who are going to be coming up again. Like, we're going to be right back. And all right, here we go. More, Even more kids make the team. Like, it might even be Sam Moran. We're going to have to wait all the way. Till <laughs> <next>. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> no, he's back. I, or he's coming back. He's this on his week. way back, right? I think he's playing tomorrow or yeah. Wednesday. Tomorrow or Wednesday, whenever their next game is, I think he's expected to play. Yeah. No, he's got to fill in for Mark Holt. <laughs> yeah, oh, boy. Big shoes to fill. <laughs> hey, Mark Holt's a nice player for them. He's a nice, steady, Andrew McDonald-like player for them. He's almost as old as Andrew McDonald, too, so it works. I got to tell you, <laughs> we have been critical of Brian Elliott recently, but he's kind of turned his game around the last couple he's, months. He's getting it done. He's I've, settling in. I, I've said it. After watching him for three games, that just his style gives me panic attacks, and I, I don't, I don't know how he keeps the puck out, but he's been keeping the puck out, and and it just, it, it's been working, and he's had a couple rough games, but it's been working. That's I thought his numbers, because you look at it, he's already, he's now increased his save percentage to nine oh eight, and you go nine oh eight, all right, that's like okay, you're an NHL player. But <laughs> you look at the bad games he's had where he's given up six twice. Yeah. And you go, oh, okay, well, that's that's awful. And you look at the rest of his games, some of them have been okay. I thought the Chicago game, what do you have, 38 saves on Thursday against Chicago, was a real turning point for him because 
while he does have that unorthodox style, it was the most poised he looked. He didn't look scrambling. It, yeah. Yes, he dives to make saves and shit like that, but he didn't look like lost sometimes. He wasn't just giving away part of the net. He looked like he was moving to make the second save well. He wasn't giving up huge rebounds. So I really thought like that was a turning point for him, and I'm just hoping he has it locked down. Yeah, I think what we're seeing in this short period of time that we've watched Brian Elliott is why St. Louis, even though Brian Elliott consistently put up great numbers there, why they always seem desperate to replace him. Mm -hmm. And it's because he does not pass the eye test. Mm -hmm. Like, he does not inspire confidence when you're watching him. But more often than not, the numbers have been there. Last year they weren't with Calgary, but they've been in the past. He's 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 stopped the puck the last three games, and you know you mentioned nine oh eight. Like, yeah, it's better than before. It's not great. Like, I agree with you. But for reference, Steve Mason's save percentage last year was nine oh eight. Yeah, no, so exactly. like Elliot, even as frustrated as we've gotten with him, as like over the course of the year, and we're expecting him to trend upwards. Like, he's already reached the baseline that Steve Mason provided over fifty eight games last year. So, I've, yeah, I've decided that um. Brian Elliott's unorthodox goaltending style is fun, and I'm on board. <laughs> yeah, I enjoy it. Like, yeah. I think it's great. It's insane. It makes I love when no goalies, sense at all. I love a good flopper out there. Like He has no idea what he's doing. Because I hate just, goalies anyway, so yeah. you might as well look ridiculous. It's so true. He's just throwing limbs around. Well, what, what, <laughs> I love, what I love the most about his style, it's like when, when the puck is loose, style. he dives yeah. on it like he's recovering a fumble. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, he's like a 300-pound offensive lineman who's like, if I just try to pick this up, I'm getting benched. So I just got to flop my body on top of it. Like, it, I enjoy the way he plays. And I will call it a style, Steph, because he does it consistently. It's, like, oh, well, it's just, it's style. It's air quotes. Like, there, it lacks style and grace. But, this you know, is fair. It's, it's his form. It's what, you know. If he were it just does. getting lucky out there, I would say, yes, he is just getting lucky. But he does it. Like Hasek. I'm not going to compare the guy to Hasek, even though I just did. But like, I, do, I do it constantly. Thanks, Bill. No, like but you look, at the, you look at the style and go, Hasek is just goaltending with his eyes closed. He's going by sound like he's yeah. daredevil out there. But, no, it's it's what he does every night. So it kind of works for him. He's Elliot's had a pretty decent NHL career to this point. Uh, it's working for him. Do you think now he has locked down the number one spot? God, I hope so. Oh, yeah. Oh, 100%. Well, I mean, <laughs> one would think, but then you have to remember that it's Dave Haxtell that we're dealing with, and Dave Haxtell is obsessed with Michael Neuver. He sure is. He's got that cartoon mouse face. How can he not do well, That's true. He was last year. It's been it's been much less. This, this year's year. been it's weird, been though, because less. like this year, even when Elliot was playing poorly and Neuver was playing well, he was still giving Elliot starts. He was still giving Elliot more starts than Neuver. Now that now that Elliot's actually playing well, you would think now it's a no-brainer. Like he's been wanting Elliot to take the <laughs> reins. Now you would think, okay, well, now that he's actually putting up good numbers, now you should just give him the reins. But as Steph said, it's Dave Haxel. You never really know. You never know. You never really you know. Never know. Looking at the improvement and how it's already coming along, I was reading on uh I was reading on the athletic. Kat Silverman's piece, um, she writes for Athletic Chicago. Yes. And it was about Steve, or is about, I, I want to even call him Steve Mason. <laughs> uh, it was about Brian Elliott and like and the move really from St. Louis to Calgary was really like, it was an upheaval for him and just how goalies have to get comfortable and your transition from the style in front of you and communication with your teammates and all that kind of stuff. And now he's on his third team in three years. All that stuff weighs in, and then you look at the carousel of, like, Mark Alt and Will O'Neill have played minutes in front of Brian Elliott. All that stuff weighs heavily on a goalie. It's different for everybody, like where some guys want the puck and all all sorts of things weigh in on this, and now it looks like he's getting comfortable. So maybe what we've seen out of Elliott recently is what we can expect out of him. I don't think he's going to have 38 saves on 39 shots most nights, but at least he's giving you some competent goaltending. And at the end of the day, he was brought in here to just be competent. Because as bad as they were last year, if they just got competent goaltending, they're probably in the playoffs. That's all you need. You just need them to be competent. Competent, like league average. If yeah, they had league average goaltending average, last yes. year, a lot of their issues are at least masked. And they're actually in the top 10 in like goals against. Like, That's the craziest year, so. part. <laughs> the craziest part is they've had some games where they've given up a ton of goals. Night to night, 
they're doing a good job, and it must be at least somewhat on the defense because I'm watching both of these goalies for the first part of the season going, I don't know about either of these guys. And the defense must be doing a good job. They're giving up under three goals a game. The defense has been, like, I'm, and when I say, say defense, I'm more talking, not just saying the defenseman, saying, like, the team What defense. they're doing in the defensive yeah, zone. Yeah, like, it's been one of the more pleasant surprises for me. Like, looking at numbers like expected goals, um, you know, advanced stats and whatnot, like, they're one of the better teams at preventing quality chances. Of they, They're still not creating a ton, though they're doing it, they're creating more than last year, but they've been one of the best teams in, you know, expected goals against at 5-on-5, five five, expected goals against on the penalty kill. Like, their their defensive structure has been really sound so far this year, and that's not something I expected considering the personnel that they had on the back end. I mean, you you yeah, we like we were hoping they were going to have three rookies. They ended up with two, but then you also you you also have a number one defenseman who's twenty years old. You have a top four defenseman in Gosses Bear who's not known for his defensive prowess. You got Andrew McDonald in the top four. Like you, you're not. You didn't look at that lineup and think, yeah, this is going to be a stingy defensive team. But no. so far, they've been a stingy defensive team, and they des- you know the players deserve a lot of credit for that because I, th- I have to say a lot of it has to be the forwards playing good defense as well and taking some of the load off of the defenseman. Do you think maybe that contributes to their scoring issues? Like they've told Sean Couturier, you're a real forward now. You're a number one center. Go with them and create offense, but maybe some of the defensive load that he was carrying is now put on everyone else. Like everyone has to kind of, Hey, you know what Sean Couturier was doing? Everyone has to do it now. Do you think maybe that has something to do with it? No. Okay. But there's, there's something to that idea. I do think that the flyers don't play. They're, they're playing a more skilled base game this year, but they're not playing a fast game. And if you play if, if you play a slower paced game, it's going to be a little bit harder for you to score. Like look at what Toronto does. Toronto knows they can outskill you, so they want to go up and down the ice yeah, because yeah. they know that over the course of a sixty minute game, you know, you're going to get your chances, sure, but we're we're going to be more likely to score on our chances because we're more talented than you. The Flyers know that they're not more talented than a lot of teams, so they've slowed it down a little bit. And while that helps you out on the defensive side, it, it has some you know negative byproducts on the offensive side. And I still don't think they should be getting shut out four times in 17 games. But yeah, it probably makes it a little bit less likely you're going to score than the average team. Okay, fam. Uh, <laughs> so we touched on this. If you're uh, if you're a Patreon subscriber and listen to the All NHL Show, uh, uh, Ice Sport Radio this week. I named the thing, and I can't remember. You did. Like, this is your name. Uh, If you listen to Ice Sport Radio, if you're one of our subscribers this week, you heard us touch on this. But since, uh, you know, all the Hall of Fame stuff is going on this week, I asked the question, do you think Giroux, Captain Claude, has a case for the Hall of Fame? And as of right now, I would put him on the outside looking in. He doesn't have a case now. No. But, like, I see a scenario in which he can become a Hall of Famer, and I wanted to discuss that with everybody. But, like, and this is, and I said on the show that I I didn't realize I had such little respect for Claude Giroux's accomplishments in this league, but, like, looking at this list that you put together, he's not far off from Pat Kane, and we all consider Kane to be a lock for the Hall. Yeah, so, so just just to kind of run through the list, I put together a list. Points scored this decade. Points scored this decade. Yeah. So this was starting the 2010 season. And, and it may be an arbitrary thing, but I feel like, you know, points scored in a decade isn't that arbitrary. You know, we have all decade teams, things yeah. like that. Like, you think of, like, okay, who, which players define this decade of hockey? That's something that's generally mm-hmm. thought of. And the top, so in terms of total points, Patrick Kane's number one at five, 537, Crosby's number two at 530, Ovechkin's three at 524, Drew is fourth at 518. Tavares is fifth at 501. Jamie Benn is at 490. Phil Kessel's 489. <laughs> Jamie Benn. Nick Backstrom is at 480. Ryan Getzlaff is at 474. And Anzi Kopitar is 10th at 471. Now, granted, Giroux has the benefit of playing more games than a lot of these people. Sidney Crosby missed a lot of time due That's to concussions. Crosby's second. His 430 games yeah. are by far the yeah. newest. That's insane. <laughs> but, and that also, like, when you look at those lists when, like, everyone, oh, Drew has the most points, like, this time, this time, it's like when Crosby was going through all his oh, injury. Yeah. Oh, 100%. Yeah. But I will say, like, longevity yeah, is, that, that, is that, a that, thing. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's like, in staying, the lineup every night. Yeah, like, staying healthy is a skill. 
in the like yes some of it is is bad luck if you get hurt like not all injuries are because you're injury prone but if you're consistently playing between 78 and 82 games every single year like that's a that's a repeatable talent to not yeah. get hurt he's a number one like he was the number one center of a team and played every single game like he's the one going into the corners winning puck battles he's the one taking every face off because no one else could like the fact that he was able and not even stay healthy because he played hurt a ton yeah. but remain productive for the most part through that entire stretch is impressive to me now if like i said if you're to ask me is Claude Drew a Hall of Famer right now? No, I don't think so. But when you look at the four guys ahead of him, all locks. Ovechkin, Crosby, Kane. All locks. Uh, Kane has the benefit of three cups. Crosby, benefit of three cups. And the best player. And he's the, the best world. player yeah. in the world. <laughs> Ovechkin, goal scorer to define a generation. I get it. You put something in here, Charlie, that I fully agree with. If Giroux wins one, he's in. I fully believe that. If Drew wins one and has six, seven more years to his career, like if let, let's say Drew wins a cup this year by some miracle, that would be fun. And, 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 but 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 then, but then in two years is out of the league. Like yeah, okay. he's not making the Hall of Fame. The the kind of the number I looked at was okay. What seems to be the cutoff point of like how many points you need to get into a, in a career before you're talked about as a likely Hall of Famer. And the, the number I sort of came across is around 1,100 points. So right now he's at about 600. So he would need to come up with another 500 points to be in that range. Granted, and this is something that I'm not sure if get, gets talked about enough, but like scoring is way down mm -hmm. this era versus other ones. So while I think voters may look at it as like, well, 1,100 points or something like that is around the cutoff, like it probably shouldn't be. But I don't know if that's going to change. Like, I, I don't know if those mentalities are going to change. You don't know. Because, like, I, I equate it to pitcher wins in baseball. Like, before, you had to be near 300 Yeah, you wins. had to be 300 guy. Yeah. Now it's like, I mean, 150 is awesome. Yeah, because like, they play every fifth game. Yeah. And they don't, you know, they don't pitch as deep in the game. So it's different. But even that changed. Like, it's kind of come gradually. Like, I honestly believe that had, unfortunately, like, rest in peace, Roy Halladay. I honestly believe that had Roy Halladay not, unfortunately, passed away, he would have had a little bit of a struggle to get in the Hall of Fame. Now he's getting in because it was a tragedy and he's going to be first ballot or second ballot at the worst. But he only finished with, like, 200 wins, and a lot of old-school writers look at that and say, well, he just didn't win enough. He wasn't yeah. that valuable, but it's a different era. And I think they, they're going to need to look at this as if, like, it's a different era as well. To me, the, my big concern with Giroux is... This start aside, like the start of the season aside, like he had been showing signs of serious decline. And unless this is the new, the, the new and improved Giroux that he can hold for the next three to four years, like I don't know how he gets to a thousand points. And I think he kind of needs to. Yeah, that's the uh, like the trajectory he was on for the two previous years. There was no case for him to make it like he's no. just not going to get he's just, not going to get to the production level. But now, okay, if this move to wing added a few more years of, you know, first-line production to his totals, and then, say, once this contract is over and he's in that latter stage of his career and he's just hanging around kind of still being pretty productive, say he's still the captain of the team, they're doing some stuff, they're winning, he's absolutely getting in. But he has to remain at this first-line level for another couple of years, yeah. which I didn't think was possible before this year. I thought it was already over. Yeah. But now that he's producing again, you know, we're 17 games in, and I'm like, oh, yeah, now he's getting in. <laughs> Previous two and a half years don't even matter. Do you but think if he had made Team Canada, he would have a better shot? I really, I really hope that doesn't impact it, but maybe. You know yeah. it does. But that's the thing. It's ridiculous because there's no way he shouldn't have been on that team over fucking uh, Chris Kunitz. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. I, I get very can't. angry about Chris Kunitz stealing Claude Giroux's gold medal. Very angry, Charles. Well, all right. So that gives you a little bit of an indication as to how he's perceived in the hockey world. True, true. Like, yeah. that's, that's part of why I don't think that he's going to make the Hall of Fame. Because Good point they won't put him on an Olympic team. Like they, he's just not highly thought of. But at least I will say he will also have the benefit when Charlie was saying, uh, like comparing eras, like 
maybe they'll look at this era, scoring is down in this era compared to, like, yeah, you can't compare his numbers to anyone in the 80s because they were scoring 11 goals a game in the 80s. Like, guys scored 90 goals in a season. Uh, Even the 70s, like, Clark, yeah. Clark had some, like, 120-point seasons, yeah. I think. And, that doesn't happen now. And, like, Clark, Clark's a great player. Yeah. He's a Hall of Famer, but he wasn't, you know, one of the best 10 players of all yeah. time. Like, now, like, if McDavid has 120-point seasons, like, holy shit, 120 points. At least, like, Charlie, by the time Giroux is up for the Hall of Fame, you could bear, very well be a voter at that point. Hey, <laughs> Charlie. <laughs> no, I'm just, guy. like... In comparing eras, you have to realize, like, the people who are like, well, Drew's not even an Olympian. Those people will probably be dead. <laughs> that, that's morbid, but fair. I mean, people well, die. It's not there, wrong, folks. People have lifespans. Like, just, this, is, this is how humanity is. But this is Bill saying that it's all curmudgeon old men that he you aspires to You know if there's be. any group of people I hate, it's old white men. And who votes for the Hall of Fame? I, I think re- I think realistically, and, and I don't think this is totally out of the question. I think it'd be tough, but I think he could do it. Is if he finishes with over over a thousand points in his career and wins a cup, and isn't like a fourth liner on the cup team, yeah, and is yeah, a legitimate yeah. contributor. I think he gets in. Now, whether that's possible is another story entirely. But like, he could squeeze another four hundred points out of his career. Can't I don't think that's for- out of the realm of possibility. And like. The Flyers, you know, as much as we complain about this team, and we do it a lot, like, (laughs) they do have a great farm system. It is plausible that in two or three years, this team is a cup contender. I don't know if it's, like, certain. Connor Bunneman. It's possible. It's possible. Con Smythe winner. Uh, So let's wrap with this. Uh, The rest of the Metro. Oh, boy. This is the conversation I've been waiting to get to all night. Uh, so the Flyers, we were talking about their place in the standings earlier. They just dropped their second to last in the Metro. No, they're in the last in the Metro. They're last in they're, the Metro? They're in the bottom. They're uh, in the basement. Carolina won tonight. So oh, Carolina won tonight. Okay. I did this this afternoon before they played. Uh, so they have 18 points, which is now last in the Metro. Uh, they are within three points of second place. Uh, the Rangers and Islanders both have 20 points. Uh, I guess that means Carolina has 19 now. No, Carolina has 18 as well, but they've they've played one less game. Now, now, granted, Columbus and Washington have, well, Columbus, Washington, and Pittsburgh have all played more games than the Flyers. Pittsburgh, Washington. It's all this weird muddle. Pittsburgh, Washington, Columbus, each with 21. New Jersey's the only team not within a game and a half of the Flyers at 24. Points percentage-wise, they're ahead of six teams in the East. Five of them are from the Atlantic. (laughs) This fucking, this this stupid ass. This stupid ass. I was all for it at first. Because the first year, I was like, oh, man. First round of the playoffs is awesome. And then you realize, oh, teams aren't fighting for eight playoff spots anymore. They're fighting for five. This is the dumbest shit. It's Why? It's terrible. It's not the eight best teams. What? What is the point of this? It's because the NHL does every single thing wrong. Every, every single thing. <laughs> every single, single thing, thing is wrong. Every single thing. I've got another thing that I want to yell about, but we may not have time. All right. Just let's get to this yeah. Metro because Steph is pessimistic. More, She's optimistic about the devils. Charlie <laughs> feels differently. No, I'm, I'm going to throw them in the steel cage and let them kill each other. Kelly and I are just going to sit back and drink tea. Have <laughs> I, I am smug about the devils. <laughs> I am not you? optimistic about them. I am smug. That is the word. Because everyone was so convinced that they're going to be the devils that they've been over the last few years and, and it, trash teams. Like I am not disputing. They've been trash teams, but they did some smart stuff in the off season. They've picked up some players that apparently can score goals. Their defense is still a mess, um, but they're, they, they've, they're coming back. So they've got some players coming back from injury soon. And, and I don't think that they should continue to be underestimated. That's, that was my biggest point. They may not be good, but they shouldn't be underestimated. Okay. That's fair. I, I just, my thing with them is I agree that they made smart decisions in the off season. You know, getting Marcus Johansson for basically nothing was brilliant. It was taking full advantage of the Capitals, not, you know, having their disaster in the <laughs> off season. Um, and they then obviously advantage of that other stupid GM too. Oh yeah, with freaking uh, Everly. Yeah. yeah. Well, Taylor, Taylor Hall. Oh, Taylor Hall. Yeah, yeah Everly went to the, went to the Islanders. Uh, I'm, I'm mixing up the the Shirelli. The dumb making up the, but, uh, the dumbs. But uh, no. can't the Flyers call him up and be like, Seriously. "Hey, what are you?" You would think, <laughs> Ron. Ron, rip the him off. See, unfortunately, the you fly- have Andrew McDonald. Something tells me they would love Andrew McDonald. <laughs> they, they 
probably were. See, the problem with that, though, and, like, I wish that they could have gotten in the, like, Shirelli, take our trash and give us great players for it. Like, you know, basically going, like, full alchemist here. But, like, the Oilers had this. The reason why the Oilers lost these trades, this is is 100% the reason, is because they had an idea of the type of player they needed to get back Mm -hmm, in these trades. Like, they traded Taylor Hall for Adam Larson because they decided we need a right-handed shooting defenseman who's on a cheap contract. And they, they circled around, and that, that cut down on all the options they could possibly have traded for, and they ended up getting Adam Larson, who is okay but not Taylor Hall good. Yeah, you got that, – that's what I always thought is there's two different conversations with that trade. Did you get the most you could for Taylor Hall? The answer is no. Did you need Adam Larson? Maybe. Maybe yeah. you were right about that. But did you have to give up Taylor Hall to get him? Like, could you have given up less and gotten that guy and then got an even better return? Or for could Taylor you have Hall? gotten like a couple picks as well? Yeah, at like least? get more. <laughs> get more for Taylor Hall. <laughs> but like you go into it and um and then you have the Strom trade. Like, I think a lot of that was that well, they they didn't like Eberly. So they were like, Okay, well we need to get, you know, more size up front and let's get a cheap forward who's big. So they ended up with Strom and now Strom's not it's good. The, it was the wrong Strom. Yeah, like they well, is there, is Kelly, there a right I stroke? like Kelly's, Kelly's theory. theory. They thought it was yeah. the other one. It was the other one. Because Shirelli's very, very stupid. Let's but, trade a Matthew for something. There we go. <laughs> but ba- back to the original point. It's yeah. like the Devils made some smart moves. Obviously, they got Heeshear. Butcher ended up being a really shrewd signing. It's just that I don't love Butcher. I don't love their depth. I don't know. And Miles yeah. Wood has come out of nowhere he's been good. and been good. Yeah, he's been good. He's been good. He grew um, up as a Flyers fan, by the really? way. He did. I don't know that. He did. Um, I, I just I look at their underlying numbers. They're still not good. Like they're still near the bottom of the league, but they've banked these points. So like you can't take them away just because they kind of got lucky to get them. They're still there, but and we see they're these... still in a very tough division. Yeah. Like I, I in the end, I think everybody's going to be close together. Maybe Pittsburgh at some point breaks away from the herd and ends up winning by ten points. But aside from them, like I don't know anybody else is going to really take off and every now and then you see these seasons like we were talking about uh it might have been before you got here steph we were talking about colorado how colorado (laughs) had that one year where they were like oh man and every stat nerd i'm sorry sorry charlie i use that endearingly (laughs) every stat nerd is sitting there every stat nerd is sitting there like colorado sucks and then it's like well they're in the playoffs it shows what your numbers say they did really suck that year they did they just got awesome goaltending yeah varlamov was unreal and their top and goal and their top end goal scoring like never like bottomed out the way that kind of stuff does and then you see what happened after that season and the shit hit the fan and they've been terrible ever since their coach their coach just quit like they traded yeah, that was fun they traded matt duchene <laughs> like they've been a dumpster fire ever since but they had that one year well it's not even that they traded matt duchene it's that they traded him and it took them a year to find someone else that to take a good like, player. It, it was, it, that was the most insane. In their defense, though, they did get a lot back for him. They did. They, they got they did. way more for him than I thought they were going. A lot more than I ever expected. Considering it's known they've been trying to move him for yeah. a year, they did a pretty decent job of getting something back. Yeah, no, that was insane. I don't want ever want to hear Matt Duchesne's name ever again. <laughs> well, he's in too. Ottawa, so you won't. Yeah, awesome. <laughs> Charlie, <laughs> that was a wonderful joke. Sell something. Oh yeah. So uh, for all of our listeners to the uh, the Broad Street Hockey Radio podcast, I have a special offer for everyone, and it is a free seven day trial for The Athletic, which is a site that I write for. Uh, obviously, it's a subscription. Is that true? It's, it's, this is true. <laughs> no, it, it's obviously a subscription-based site. I'm sure that not all of our listeners actually pay for it. So um, you probably haven't been reading almost any of my stuff this year. Actually, I distribute everything that you write for free oh, on thanks. an RSS feed. Thanks, Kelly. <laughs> um, so basically, the way the way it works is, is that you sign up, you get a free seven-day trial, and then after that, if you choose to continue, the, year, the rest of the year is 25% off. So if you want to try it out and maybe I can convince you over the next seven days that you should pay for what I write uh, go to theathletic.com backslash backslash BSH radio and you should get a free seven day trial if you have any issues with that feel free to shoot me a message on Twitter and I will make sure it gets fixed but I just 
figured I'd put it out there since it's a cool deal. And at the very least, even if you want to cancel, you'll get to read my articles for seven days. Yeah, How fun would it be if I just started like my own little SoundCloud station where, you just where read? I did dramatic readings of <laughs> I would listen to that. People might pay you for and that. And actually, you know, if you sign up tonight, there's a really good article linked in tomorrow's flyby about Ivan Provorov that you're going to want to read. Oh, yeah. Mary, Mary Clark wrote yeah, it. Yeah. Mary Clark, who I will also like to make the point that she was out in front of this honeybees thing. Yes, she, she, was was. The, she was the first she person to break, break the story like three weeks ago, and now the Flyers are posting on their website about how they call themselves the honeybees. <laughs> That's, I saw and it on their website. Patrick is making jokes. <laughs> I saw it on their website today the where it was they were like, the honeybees was like a headline. I was like, son of a bitch. Yeah, <laughs> I told you. Like, oh, yeah, we got the you. Legion of Doom. We got, and then we got honeybees. the honeybees. <laughs> the honeybees, and they're delightful. Um, the last two things that I want to say before I let Bill close out. Number one, the NHL going to the Olympics is still a fucking disaster, and I don't give a shit what Gary Bettman has to say about it. That is correct. Um, and number is he two, still the commissioner. Evidently. Unfortunately. Unfortunately. <laughs> uh, number two, we are having a holiday watch party and canned food drive. Um, it will be either December 22nd or December 23rd. So it either be Friday night or Saturday night. I don't know which yet, um, but it's happening. It will be in Philadelphia with us, and it'll be a lot of fun. That is all the time we have for you on BSH Radio today. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you to our Patreon subscribers. Keep doing all that. Sign up for Charlie's free trial. It actually is pretty good content. I will give him. He's actually decent at what he does. That's why, right. that's why we keep him around here. Uh, for <laughs> Steph, for Charlie, for Kelly, I am Bill Matz. Have a great week, Philly. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.